welcome you to the Reformed Informants. This is a podcast devoted to biblical exposition, systematic theology, and practical application for the good of the church. I'm Lance Burroughs. <laughs> I'm TJ Darty. <laughs> and we are the Reformed Informants. Uh, we hit record for this episode, man, and we got we got kind of rolling and laughing hard and gosh we, we needed the spirit to get us through that intro there <laughs> 60 60 plus episodes of the podcast and that was probably the most difficult intro we've done even though the intro hasn't changed i mean it's pretty much been the same from day one uh but we, we yeah we, we we finally got through that that was that was a challenge but uh man well well worth the laugh i enjoyed that oh yeah that that, that was take two and i i was Oh man, <laughs> gritting my teeth there at uh saying my name and <laughs> yeah, we we couldn't even make it through the first take. The first take, I absolutely <laughs> lost my mind. I guess if we have some time, we can send some outtakes onto the Twitterverse. But dude, oh man, yeah, uh, it was. I, I'm I'm enjoying myself. So it's just setting it setting up to be a really good episode tonight. So I'm I'm looking forward to this for sure. Uh, yeah. Speaking of a new episode, we are back in our new mythology series. This is going to be episode 61, and this is new mythology part three: the work of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give all the credit where credit is due. TJ put together a glorious episode guide uh, that we're going to work our way through. Um, TJ, so I'm going to send it back to you and kind of give us, I'll let you kind of give us an overview of where we're going with this episode and uh, kind of what's in store. Yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> I've, I've said before, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, Lance just basically drags me along and has been pulling more than his fair share of the weight for quite some time. So, you know, every now and then I get a, a little spark where I feel like, you know, kind of feel guilty. He's doing all the work. So I hopped on and, and tried to put this guy together. So I'm, I'm excited to hop in uh, to discuss the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, if you remember our summer series when we did Christology, we started first with the person of Christ. We talked about uh, who Jesus was. We talked about his deity. We talked about his humanity. Uh, we talked about the hypostatic union, his role as a prophet, priest, and king. We, we talked a lot about him as a person of the Trinity. And then uh, we fo we focused on his work, what he accomplished. Um, and we're doing the same thing now with the Holy Spirit. So uh, after kind of that overview episode introducing us to pneumatology, the first uh, discussion we had was about his deity. We talked about his personhood and his deity, that he is uh, the third member of the Trinity, that he is indeed fully God. And so we, we talked about his person. And now we're going to uh, introduce ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit. And by this, we're simply going to discuss all of the things that the Holy Spirit does uh, in Scripture. And so uh, this is going to be a very broad episode. There are, I mean, dozens upon dozens of Scripture references available for us. Uh, so we have a lot to cover. Uh, and most of the things that we touch on in this episode will come back in some form or fashion down the road, whether in this series or in future series as well. And so uh, really, this is just to look at an overview of what the Holy Spirit does, what work is credited to the Holy Spirit as the third member of the Trinity. Yeah. And the only thing I would like to add to that 
would be that you have outlined this guide in chronological order in terms of revelation. And I think, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about this again before we hit record, that this has really been the pattern of what we've uh, tried to do as we work through different categories of our, of our systematic, we, we like to start in Genesis and then work our way chronologically through the entire biblical narrative to build this particular category. So, so not only are we pulling and drawing from different portions of scripture and actually doing systematic theology, but in, in another sense, and on the other hand, we're actually doing biblical theology as well. You know, you've got um, that chronological aspect that's brought onto our, our systematic. Um, and and I, I think, and, and just to keep, you know, adding to that, um, I, I think that there is, I, I, I think there, I guess I would say it, it's good to do it this way. Uh, just to borrow mm. some biblical language there, it, it's good to do it this way because this is how God revealed his truth. This is how God's revelation came down. So if we attack it from this vantage point, I think we're even more faithful to the text, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would, <clears throat> I would wholeheartedly agree, uh, agree. I'm really glad that you you pointed this out because we, we've said before that in the concept, the idea of progressive revelation, that God gradually through the course of history and in particular through the course of uh, the writing, the unfolding of Scripture, uh, revealed his plan, his persons, uh, his being. God revealed who he is and God revealed what he's up to in the plane of redemption. And so uh, in the spirit of progressive revelation, what we'd like to do is we'd like to trace the work of the Holy Spirit from the beginning to the end. And so we're really looking, as you mentioned, Lance, at a a biblical development of the work of the Holy Spirit. And in doing it this way and in pointing this out at the beginning, uh, we hope that you'll be able to follow along with us. And in other words, this is not just some kind of uh, random hodgepodge, uh, hey, these are all the things that the Holy Spirit does and just whatever comes to mind as we're talking. Rather, there's there's progression here. Uh, there's there's a way to categorize and a way to think about these things. And so um, this is this is really important for us uh, as we begin this conversation. And so uh, <clears throat> we're going to begin in the Old Testament and start with the work of the Holy Spirit there, and then we will uh, work our way into uh, the New Testament, we'll look at the Gospels, and then finish with the church age uh, in in the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So that's kind of an overview of where we're going, and I think it's uh, worth highlighting, Lance, that this is how we like to do uh, our systematic theology. Yes, yeah, so let's go ahead and jump in. So in terms of the Holy Spirit and the Old Testament, is He present in the Old Testament? Now, I, I will say that... <laughs> Back when I was teaching Bible courses uh, to high school students uh, for a number of years, there was a substitute substitute teacher uh, that filled in for me one time, and I don't think they had any Bible background based on what they were teaching, but they said that the Holy Spirit did not exist in the Old Testament. Yeah, anyways, I don't want to go off a tangent on that, but I think that really sets the stage for where we're going when we talk about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So I'll ask you this question, TJ, and then I'll let you kind of develop this a little bit. Does the Holy Spirit exists in the Old Testament. Is he present in the Old Testament? And, and how can we get that conversation rolling? Uh, yeah, I love, love the, that we're going to start here. Um, the easiest answer to your question is obviously yes. And 
if you're unsure as to where I got that answer, go back to the previous episode where we established the deity of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit does not begin to exist at some point in history, right? The Holy Spirit is part of the triune Godhead. He is eternal. He is self-existing, just like the Father and the Son. Um, so yes, the Holy Spirit has always existed and will always exist as part of his nature, uh, just like it is the Father and the Son. Um, now, I would say that in the Old Testament, we don't see the person of the Holy Spirit uh, identified as the Holy Spirit the same way that you do in the New Testament. Now, I, I will say that part of that is a linguistic difference. So in Hebrew, uh, the way that the Hebrew language is constructed, uh, you tend to have a succession of nouns uh, as opposed to having adjectives. So in the New Testament, you have a little bit more adjective description. So you, that's where you see Holy Spirit. But in the Old Testament, you don't typically tend to see adjectives. You tend to see nouns placed together. So most of the time, what we're going to see in the Old Testament is we're going to see the phrase, the Spirit of God. And so you have these two nouns put back to back, Spirit and God. Now, some may debate as to whether or not the Spirit of God in the Old Testament is the same as the person of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Now, my answer to that, Lance, and I, I would love to hear you piggyback off this and, and, and take this where you see it going, but <clears throat> my answer to that is one of the things that we've identified before is that in the New Testament, we see the Old Testament revealed. So now that we've got the lenses of the New Testament, we can look back at the Old Testament and see that this is indeed speaking of the Holy Spirit. Um, so, so I think that at the beginning, as Israel is receiving this revelation from God, they may not have understood this, but we, having the full biblical picture, having the completed canon, can now look back and see that this is exactly what God was doing. It is indeed the Holy Spirit who is present in the Old Testament. Yeah, man, those are great points. And I, I would say to those points in particular— talking about the work of the Holy Spirit or the person of the Holy Spirit in the Old and the New Testament. Of course, here on the Reformed Informants podcast, we are going to argue that the Holy Spirit is the same person in the Old as in the New. But I think that we would both agree, and we're not out on an island here by being in agreement on this, right. but that the Holy Spirit is also working in the Old and the New. However, that work tends to be uniquely different, uniquely different. Um, and, and actually, my theology professor in seminary, he, he correlated uh, the New Testament gifting of the Spirit to the Old Testament work of the Spirit. In other words, he, 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 he tried to argue for the fact that well, essentially, the New Testament gifting is, uh, gifting is identical to how the Spirit was gifting in the Old Testament. Now, I, I think that I, I see where he's going with that, but I probably disagree with him. I, I, I do think the Spirit is working, but I don't think it is uniquely the same um, under the Old and New, new Covenants, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I would, <clears throat> I would find myself in agreement with you on that, and... Um... 
and, and I'm looking forward to being able to to hash this out. So so let's 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 do this then. Let's let's look at the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And I think that we're going to see exactly what you just said, Lance, is that there's a distinction that is made between the Holy Spirit's work, although he is the same Holy Spirit, his work, his role uh, changes from the Old Covenant to the New. And of course, covenant theology will we'll, we'll hash those details out. If, that, if that's new to you, that's fine. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, but uh, let, let's just start... <clears throat> I've been preaching Genesis. I'm four or five weeks into Genesis. I'm still in verse two. Uh, Genesis one, verse two, the Holy Spirit is active in creation. And so at the very beginning, we see the work of the Holy Spirit in creation. We see the, the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. He's preparing creation for habitation, as one commentator put it. Um, and, you, and you see uh, references to the Holy Spirit uh, in, in Psalm 104, verse 30, uh, where, <clears throat> where we read that when you send forth your Spirit, speaking of God, when God spends, sends forth His Spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. In other words, the Holy Spirit is an agent who is active in creation. The, the Holy Spirit is, is present and is working in those six literal days of creation in the beginning of Genesis chapter 1. Yeah, and, and I think that psalm's critical to, to um, our, our development of the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament because that, that's, that psalm is speaking on a past event and acknowledging mm. that the Spirit of God was working there. So you, you can see that this doctrine is slowly being built, even in terms of the Spirit's work in creation. Um, and again, this is one of the beauties of systematic theology, is you're able to analyze and assess all these different texts, and we can see that even a few thousand years, um, maybe not a few thousand, maybe just a thousand or so years after the Pentateuch was written, we have this particular psalm that is echoing what previous revelation had already uh, said. Yeah, and even verse 29 before that, <clears throat> uh, we, we read that when you, says, when you hide your face, they're dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die. And so there's that word, that same word, ruach, is the word for spirit. So uh, there, there's a parallelism that says when the spirit is removed, there's death. When the spirit is given, there's life. He's the life-giving spirit. And, and in that sense, he brings forth the life of creation. And, and you're right, Lance, this is describing something that has happened in the past, and it's describing the person who is involved in this. And of course, in the New Testament, we're going to see that also Jesus is involved in creation. John chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, uh, Jesus is uh, nothing that was made was made, or everything that was made was made through the Word, and nothing was made without Him. Uh, but also the Holy Spirit is there. So uh, right away, we see the Holy Spirit active in creation. I think that's vital to understanding his work, his role in the Old Testament. So right off the bat, we've established the Holy Spirit does the work of creation. Yeah, secondly, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit gives prophecy. The Holy Spirit gives prophecy. or In other words, the Holy Spirit is uh, authoring Scripture through prophecy. Um, we see this a lot, by the way. If you, I mean, there's really dozens and dozens of verses um, uh, to, to argue this particular point, but the book of Ezekiel 
the prophet Ezekiel is loaded with references uh, that speak on this very issue. And in particular, Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, um, verse 2 talks about the Spirit entering him. Uh, chapter 8, verse mm. 3 talks about the Spirit lifting him up for a vision. Ezekiel 11, verse 1 again talks about the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God lifting him up into a vision. And again, in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 24, the Spirit took me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God, e Ezekiel writes. So, I mean, that, that's just one prophet. That's just one location where we see the Spirit working like this. Yeah, and you're exactly right. The prophets often, often speak uh, of the Spirit who is who is giving them, or the Spirit of God is speaking to the prophets, and they are just turning around and, and repeating, or they are, they are uh, announcing what has been proclaimed to them by the Holy Spirit. And so you, you see that in these cases, the Spirit is the one who is giving uh, the prophets the words to say. First uh, Samuel chapter 10, we'll, we'll reference this again, but the Holy Spirit rushes upon King Saul and he prophesies. The, the Spirit gives him words to say. And we know, as we've established at this point in the podcast, we know um, from Second Peter chapter one verse twenty-one that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by who? By the Holy Spirit. So the the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is giving the words to those heralds who are speaking to the people for God. And those are the prophets. And so uh, the Holy Spirit is active in giving of prophecy and then by extension of inscripturating uh, the, the Holy Bible of the Old Testament. Yeah. Let me, let me make a book recommendation. Okay. It's called Inspiration and Canonicity of the Bible. And it's by Robert Laird Harris. It was actually written in 1971. It is by far the best book, in my opinion, that talks about this very issue, the Holy Spirit giving prophecy, the Holy Spirit authoring scripture through the prophets. Go buy it. Give me that book title one more time. Inspiration and Canonicity of the Bible. And it's by Robert okay. Laird Harris. I think it actually won like book of the year back in 1971. You, if you are serious about theology, these are the types of resources that will help you. They will be worth. It's worth diving in and doing the heavy sledding. It's definitely worth it. And so, uh, kudos to you, man, for for recommending that and making sure that uh, that we are reminding ourselves of that work of the Holy Spirit, giving of Scripture, giving of prophecy in the Old Testament. So that that's outstanding. Uh, number three. Number three, work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. This is a unique one, Lance. I'd love to uh, hear you uh, develop this a little bit. But the Holy Spirit in particular uh, gives skill, gives uh, ability for specific tasks in the Old Testament. So I'm thinking of two specific examples. Uh, the first one is when uh, Bezalel was filled with the Spirit as the tabernacle was being constructed. So we see this in Exodus chapter 31. Uh, God gives the very detailed, like painstaking detail in the book of Exodus for this is how you are to construct 
each of these entities, each of these uh, components of the tabernacle of public worship. And and then in, in Exodus chapter 31, the Lord says to Moses, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence and with knowledge of all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood to work in every craft. In other words, God sends His Spirit, sends the Holy Spirit uh, for the purpose of constructing the tabernacle. There, there's a specific task, a skill that is given to this individual, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him in order to accomplish that. Uh, we see the same thing uh, with Zerubbabel uh, rebuilding the temple in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, uh, whenever he says, not by my power, not by my might, but by my spirit will the temple be rebuilt, says the Lord of hosts. So uh, thoughts on that, especially as it relates to the distinctive work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Come on, man. I'm so glad you read Exodus 31 uh, verses 1 through 5. You know, what's interesting to note here is that this, this special empowerment, this is a divine enablement where God through the Holy Spirit, supernaturally steps in for a particular reason. But it's interesting to note here that the Spirit does this in order to construct the tabernacle. You know, it, it, it's not as if, um, you know, this random um, building is being built. God is sending His Holy Spirit to come upon Bezalel, to intelligently craft, design, work, manufacture, construct the house where he would dwell. And the Spirit of God plays an intricate, vital role in getting that done. Now, I had to read back through um, major portions of the Old Testament from an Old Testament class that I took over uh, winter break. Man, and I was absolutely blown away by these chapters in the book of Exodus, looking at it mm. from afresh, really, um, and seeing why Deuteronomy 31 or Exodus 31 was absolutely critical in the Spirit's empowerment here, because yes. this is the dwelling house of the Lord. God's not going to be nonchalant right. about this. That's right. Shameless plug, by the way. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, I recently published a blog on the gospel according to the cherubim and the uh, role of... Uh, Bezalel in the construction of the tabernacle plays a part in that as well. So if you haven't read that, go check that out because there's something uh, really uh, powerful there. Uh, again, but that's that's a side note. That's just a like I said, a shameless plug. Uh, but but you're exactly right, man. Like this is, I'm so glad that you drew our attention to this. That this was not just a run of the mill like, hey, we're gonna send the Holy Spirit so he can like construct this neighborhood over here or or do this like you know, this, this building complex, like, no, this was for the tabernacle. This was for worship and the Holy spirit, God's spirit has come upon this individual 
uh, in order that this would be accomplished to perfection. Like this is not going to be like, we're not cutting corners. He's not on the clock. He's not, you know, trying to work overtime, but like this is specific in order to make sure that the people of God were able to worship God appropriately as God had so designed it. And so it's not, it's not an accident that the Holy Spirit is given for this particular purpose uh, of giving skill, of giving ability for this particular task. Yeah. Well, that moves us into the next point. Uh, dealing with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and that is that the Holy Spirit provided special capabilities for the leaders of Israel. The Holy Spirit provided special capabilities for the leaders of Israel. Now, before we get into this point, I I think it's worth noting that the Holy Spirit hasn't been absent up until these points or up until these situations, Mm. okay? So, you know, we're talking about the Holy Spirit coming for various tasks or the Holy Spirit providing special capabilities. We aren't saying that the Holy Spirit is absent or not working before that. That, that That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that the Holy Spirit right. is in heaven and he's just kind of hanging out next to God the Father and Christ at that particular point. No, the Spirit is ever-present and, and always working but he's working uniquely and divinely in certain situations and mm. circumstances like we're talking about in this particular point. So, so to kick this off, uh, you could easily go back to uh, Joshua, for example. You could go back to Joshua, in particular, Numbers and Deuteronomy. And, and really, you see it carry over into the book of Joshua. But the Holy Spirit mm. comes upon Joshua Uh, to enable him or give him special capabilities to lead the nation of Israel. Again, this isn't a run-of-the-mill people. This isn't (laughs) just some random group. This is God's chosen people, or God has chosen a particular leader that will now be empowered specially by the, the Spirit of God. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned Joshua, which you can go back to the end of Numbers, you get into Deuteronomy, into the book of Joshua, which then leads you into the book of Judges, and you have the Holy Spirit coming upon these leaders, these uh, these new uh, names that are being elevated to to lead the people of God, uh, and you see in particular there are many we could mention, but in particular the Spirit comes upon Gideon and gives him a sp- uh, a special a gift of leadership so that the people will follow him. He, he's uh, Gideon is, is kind of cowardly. He's very, uh, he lacks confidence. He's not a good leader. And so he's empowered by the spirit in order to lead the people uh, in a way that only the Holy spirit can, can empower him. And uh, a little later, one of the most prominent, famous, uh, well-known characters of the old Testament, Samson he, he has the Holy Spirit in a special way to give him physical strength. Uh, that Not everybody who has the Holy Spirit has this particular gift, but the Holy Spirit came upon him in a unique way in order to accomplish um, the, the leadership, the purposes that God had uh, laid out for Samson. And so we see, uh, again, special leadership given to the judges of Israel. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what this guy TJ is talking about with this, you know, special strength that only Samson had. I mean, TJ's got this, man. No, have a couple kids and you lose most of that. Yeah, what, what's the, uh, speaking of, a little derail here from our uh, topic of discussion, but what is the uh, 
What's the workout scene situation looking like lately? You're you're looking at it right here, man. Just sitting in the chair, not doing a whole lot of working out these days. I miss it. Maybe yeah, maybe one day we'll get back in there. Yeah, I was about to say mine uh, basically looks like if you were to open up the garage door and go into my garage, lights are shut off. That's what mine's been for like a year. So. Yep, same here. Same here. I'm 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 <laughs> I'm missing it big time. Yeah, so you know, I I think at least generally speaking that basically wraps up our discussion on the Holy Spirit or the work of the Spirit in the Old Testament. Um, I, I do think there's probably one category that we could talk about, but I think we're going to save that because we could ultimately talk about the Holy Spirit working in salvation and regeneration in the, in the Old Testament as well. Um, but here in particular, we just wanted to focus on uh, unique situations, special capabilities, um, rare instances where the Holy Spirit is showing up in supernatural ways. So when we get to soteriology, which I know TJ is uh, pretty hype about, we'll, we'll spend a lot more time in detail talking about the Holy Spirit's work in regeneration, including that same work in the Old Testament. Man, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Uh, of course, that's where I wanted to go with the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Um, but that's more of a conversation for down the road like you mentioned, soteriology. But let, let me just say this as we transition to the New Testament. What we've just covered is really just a brief sample. Uh, it's very, uh, just, it's not exhaustive. It's more representative to say that this is the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Um, th the Holy Spirit is always present, but his work seems to be uniquely intermittent, uh, seems to be focused on particular activities, particular ministries, particular individuals at times. Um, but really what I think is that the Holy Spirit's work in the Old Testament, it previews, it anticipates a coming time when his work, when his ministry will be much more complete, much more visible, much more well-known. And that's the time of the New Testament. So we, we've, getting, we've gotten a glimpse of the Old Testament, the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. But now when we come to the New Testament, his work begins to come a, become a little bit more prominent, a little bit more in view. And so as we transition to the New Testament, the first the, you know, the natural uh, progression is coming to the work and to the ministry uh, of Christ. So when you get to the New Testament, the first stop are the Gospels. And so at this point, you have this transition from the Old Testament uh, into the New Covenant with the, the, the life and the ministry of Christ. And so uh, we don't need to hash through all of this because we've done this in greater detail in our Christology series. But Lance, could you just kind of give us a sampling or a mention the work of the Holy Spirit, in particular, in the ministry of Jesus. How do we see the Spirit working through Christ? Yeah, I mean, I mean Jesus's entire incarnation is surrounded by the work of the Spirit. I mean, you mm. could you could even say that if it wasn't for uh, the, the work of the Spirit in Jesus's life, that Jesus's incarnation wouldn't be an actual reality. In other words, um, it's, it's Jesus's living by the Spirit's power that we see going from conception all the way through, and ultimately until his death and his his resurrection. You never you never see the two detached from one another. Uh, That's good. I, I guess is what I would say. But we see this going all the way back to 
um, really the, the conception birth narrative of mm. Jesus going all the way back to Luke chapter one, verse 35. Uh, we're told that the Holy Spirit will come upon Mary. Uh, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, a child will be born, be called Holy, the Son of God. Uh, we, we go to Matthew chapter one, and we're told specifically that the Holy Spirit played the role in conception. That, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You skip forward 30 years and you get to the baptism of Jesus. You see the Spirit of God descending like a dove on Christ. Uh, this mm. essentially um, inaugurating or kicking off his official preaching and teaching ministry, claiming to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Um and then you even have Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. If you go back to those accounts, Luke chapter 4 specifically says that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. So you've got this kind of, you've got this interaction again all throughout the gospel record. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mark's gospel even goes so far in Mark chapter 1 to say that the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. So, I mean, the Spirit is in a very car. prevalent. Very. <laughs> uh, I don't even have a good rebuttal of that. Those, uh, you caught me off guard. Uh, the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. Uh, Mark 1 verse 12. Uh, teaching ministry, you mentioned that the, the baptism of Jesus inaugurated or began his teaching and preaching ministry. Luke chapter 4 says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and, and he taught there in the synagogues, being glorified by all. Uh, so his teaching ministry was in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the miracles of Jesus. So Matthew chapter 12, uh, we see that Jesus, uh, he knows that there are those who are doubting him. And it says in Matthew chapter 12, uh, verses 25 and following, he says, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. So how then will his kingdom stand? He says, if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they'll be your judges. But if it's by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And that the implication that Jesus is making there is, it is the Spirit of God by which he casts out demons. And so the Holy Spirit then empowers and enables uh, the miraculous works of Jesus on this earth. And so I think you nailed it, Lance. There is no separation between the Son, between Jesus Christ in the flesh, and, and the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit is always present, uh, sometimes visibly, sometimes more behind the scenes. But even in the incarnation, uh, there is no incarnate Christ without the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's vital for us to remember. Dude, dude, that is that is good, man. That is, that is a good word right there. Well, to transition into the to the next category that we find here in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit is working, let's just talk about the life of the believer. Uh, I, I think, if I'm correct, uh, the remainder of the episode guide focuses on the Holy Spirit and the life of the believer. Is that correct, mm -hmm. TJ? 
Yeah, so we're we're at this point in the biblical narrative then we're running into the book of Acts and then getting into the rest of the New Testament, the the the, the letters to the churches and the individuals and uh, of course the book of Revelation. So so yeah, so we're at the point now post resurrection of Christ, we're dealing now with individuals who are being called to to be saved uh, by the power of Christ. So this is now in, in uh, like I said, the biblical narrative, we are now in Acts 2, Pentecost. We're, we're looking ahead to uh, the post-ascension days uh, for the church. Yeah, so in terms of the Holy Spirit in connection with the life of the believer, uh, the Holy Spirit deals with converting the wretched sinner. Or the Holy Spirit mm. deals with conversion. Um, according to John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11, Jesus actually tells us this. He, he tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts the sinner of their sin. So if you're listening today and you are a brother and sister of Christ, you are a brother or sister in Christ because the Holy Spirit convicted you personally. He personally convicted you of your sin. Um and within that, he also regenerates the sinner. He also regenerates the sinner. And I know we're kind of previewing this and just touching on this um, because we're gonna we're gonna give a comprehensive look at the Spirit's work of regeneration in soteriology uh, in, in the upcoming months. But this is absolutely fascinating. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the work of convicting the sinner, and the Holy Spirit is the one who makes the dead sinner spiritually alive. He makes them born again. We we recognize that term. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. You you and and if you're listening and uh, you missed what Lance just said there, we are going to come back in our soteriology series. Soteriology is the study of salvation, and so when we come to our discussion on salvation, we're gonna really dive in. We're going to really unpack what it means to be convicted of sin and to be regenerated. But yeah, that that's the new birth. I mean, that's John chapter three, uh, the necessity of regeneration. When Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus and uh, Jesus says, I, I say to you, unless someone is born again, if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is confused. He says, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter into his mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So Jesus says, if you're going to be born again, the work of the Spirit has to regenerate you, has to give you new birth, has to give you new life. And so we see, as you pointed out, Lance, like this starts even really for the unbelieving uh, sinner who becomes the believer. This is the work of the Holy Spirit who makes this happen. It's the, uh, the application of the work of Christ at a personal level on the individual who is a sinner who has come to faith in Christ. Yeah, and, and and the Spirit's work doesn't stop there. Now, mm. regeneration, yeah, that is a one-time event. That that happens once in the life of the sinner that's made alive, the, the new birth, TJ, that, that you had just explained. Mm -hmm. But the Holy Spirit continues to work in the life of the mm. believer, and that's really where we're going to end up this episode. Uh, let, me, let me say before... 
before you get before you get going on this, I I would say I, I I'm making this statement a little bit off the guide here, so feel free to reel me back in. But I would say this is the primary work. When we're thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit, we, we've previewed in the Old Testament, we, we've of course highlighted his, his ministry role within the, the, the life and the uh, preaching ministry of Jesus. We've talked about much of what he has done, uh, oftentimes behind the scenes. But when you think about the work of the Holy Spirit— this is his primary work. Like if, if you, if he's got a resume, like this is going at the top, right? Like he works in the lives of believers. Like, of course he, he is active in conversion. He's active in regeneration. We, we've talked about that, but in particular, like if you're really zeroing in and saying, what does the Holy Spirit do? Like this is it. This is his, his primary job description, right? Is, is the work uh, post-conversion among believers. And and we've got, I think I've highlighted 10 items here. There's more that can be said. Uh, these 10 are, I, I hope to try to catch as much as I could uh, in, in these, in these headings, but, but really correct me if I'm wrong, Lance, but this feels like this is what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah, dude, calm down over there, man. It's not <laughs> Sunday morning. <laughs> I didn't get to preach this past week. I'm I'm fired up, man. I just yeah, man. Just just calm down, calm down. I can't even, man. Yeah. I can't even imagine what you're gonna be like during soteriology, man. Like, oh, I'm just gonna no idea. My you're gonna... and just walk out of the room and just let you finish the episode. <laughs> just 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 cut me off. Let me roll, and then you can edit me back out later. <laughs> Not it, man. That, that's great. Yeah. So let, let's work some of the work through some of these points here. Um, categorically speaking, on how the Spirit works in the life of the believer. Yeah, first off, man, and th- this, this is primary. The Holy Spirit indwells believers. The Holy Spirit indwells believers. And Jesus speaks of this in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17. Uh, he, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. And in, in the Greek, that's referring to another helper of the same kind. In other words, the, the Holy mm, Spirit right. is the same as Christ. The Holy Spirit is God, just like Jesus is God. So he says, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I mean, mm. you don't need any more clarity than that. That's coming from the lips of Christ. He's saying, that the Holy Spirit will be in you. Paul, I mean, Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? So yeah, the Holy Spirit indwells believers. And so secondly, we see that he does this as a seal. So when the Holy Spirit uh, comes upon us who to indwell us as new believers, as those who have been converted. He, he provides assurance of salvation uh, because he seals us for the day of redemption. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 13 and 14. Uh, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Or again in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Holy Spirit 
seals us. He guarantees, he, he, he sets us apart as those who are uh, in Christ by his indwelling of us. So in his uh, residence within us, he is sealing us for the day of redemption. So that's the work of the Spirit is to seal believers. Yeah, so the Holy Spirit indwells believers. He seals believers, and he also illuminates believers. Now, we touched on this last time, and we touched on this in the Bibliology series uh, that we did uh, over a year ago. But the Holy Spirit is the one that wrote and authored Scripture, but he's also the one that illuminates it or teaches the Scripture. Remember, I think the best reference for this would be 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Go back and read that chapter uh, if you have time this week. But, but it tells us that the natural person, the natural man, can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. He's spiritually discerned, spiritually appraised. And in other words, the, the Spirit of God is absolutely necessary for the believer to be able to understand Scripture. And that's exactly what he does. And that's what we're told he does in 1 Corinthians right. chapter 2. That's right. So we would say that he illuminates believers, and along with that, uh, fourthly, he also instructs believers. So he gives us the ability to discern spiritual things. He gives us the ability to understand Scripture, uh, but he also gives us instruction. He, he teaches us from Scripture. And we, we pointed this out, I think, in our first episode on in the pneumatology series. We talked about the reasons why the Holy Spirit is maybe the most misunderstood member of the Trinity. And one of the reasons that we pointed out was that the Holy Spirit doesn't point to himself. And I was thinking of John chapter 14, verse 26, when Jesus says that the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so the Holy Spirit then, he illuminates believers in order to help us understand and discern spiritual things, but he instructs us, he teaches us from the words, from the uh, in, from Scripture, the words of Christ. And so he instructs believers, he teaches us, he allows us to grow in our maturity and in our thinking and in our knowledge. He instructs believers. Yeah, next, the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts. He administers spiritual gifts to believers. Now, I don't, I don't think we're going to spend really any time on this point here because we're going to dedicate an entire episode to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and spiritual gifts. But suffice it to say that the Holy Spirit himself sovereignly distributes gifts to the believer. In other words, every single believer, every brother or sister in Christ has spiritual gifts. Yep. Uh, number six, the spirit sets believers apart from the world. Now we've, uh, there's some overlap here, right? If we've been sealed, we've been indwelled by the spirit. We are set apart. We're different. But, uh, really, if, if you get done reading first Corinthians chapter two, go read Romans chapter eight, uh, Romans chapter eight, especially those first, what, 15, 16 verses that really highlight the distinction that Paul is making between those who are of the Spirit and those who are of the flesh. Like there's two categories of people, and the Holy Spirit sets us apart. Um, Romans chapter 8, I'll just read one verse, verse 9, where Paul says, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ 
does not belong to him. So in other words, the Spirit sets us apart. He distinguishes us, makes us distinct from the world. Yeah, number seven, the Holy Spirit sanctifies believers. The Holy Spirit sanctifies believers. Um, And I think... You know, this makes me think back to John 17, 17, where Jesus says, sanctify him by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus mm-hmm. is telling his disciples and he's, he, he's telling us clearly that believers are sanctified by the truth of God. What is the truth of God? It's the word of God. Well, as we've said, the Holy Spirit is the author and the teacher of that. So within the reading and studying and understanding and illumination of the word of God, the believer becomes sanctified. The believer becomes more and more like Christ. The believer produces the fruit of the spirit like we see in Galatians chapter five and so on and so forth. Man, that's that's really good. And related to that, number eight, the Holy Spirit guides and directs believer. So uh, there, there's a practical nature of how to actually live. So as the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives, He also guides us. He gives us direction. Um, I'm thinking of Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 13 and 14, when uh, Paul says, uh, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God our sons of God. So he leads us. He directs us. Uh, Galatians 5, uh, verse 16, walk by the Spirit, uh, Paul says. So he directs us. He gives us uh, direction for our lives. Yeah, number nine, the Holy Spirit intercedes for believers. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 uh, touch on this particular uh, component of the Spirit's work in the life of the believer. Verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit intercedes for believers. He intercedes for believers to God. What a unique ministry, by the way, that he has. And Mm. we're absolutely grateful for that ministry as well. Amen. I love that. I love that. Number 10, this is the last one on our list uh, for this episode, but the Holy Spirit unites believers. I I think that this is something that is so easily overlooked, uh, especially because we live in an individualistic culture. And so, uh, again, just wetting the appetite. I can't wait to get to the Ecclesiology series, talk about the local church and the importance, the vitality uh, of the community of believers. But this is part of the work of the Holy Spirit. And we see this explicitly stated uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the first few verses there where Paul, uh, speaking to the Ephesian church, he, he urges them. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he goes on to say that there is one body and one Spirit. And so the idea is the Holy Spirit, as believers, he brings us together uh, as uh, the unit his part of his unifying work. He unites believers. Lance, what what else do we need to mention when we think about the work of the Spirit? What what did we what did I miss in this God? I don't know, man. You, you, I think you pretty much got it all. It 
you know, I mean, each one of those points that we just discussed there at the end, I mean, you put together a list of 10 ways in which the Spirit of God works in the life of a believer. I mean, in reality, we could dedicate an entire episode to each one of those, you know, so Easily. You know, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, we talked about them. We gave a few references as support, you know, to demonstrate that the Spirit actually does that. But I mean, we didn't even really do it justice. There's right. there's more depth to the Holy Spirit than we've even been able to present in this 50 minute episode. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that, that the Spirit is... I, I, I'll say this, I was overwhelmed when putting this guide together. I was absolutely overwhelmed at the breadth and the depth of the activity of the Holy Spirit, especially in lives of, in the life of believers. Uh, but, but even in the Old Testament, man, like it is so hard to just say, hey, this is the, the work of the Spirit of God. Like here, let, let's just, you know, narrow this down. Well, really, you're, you're having to deal with a comprehensive scope of Scripture. And there are so many things that the Holy Spirit does so often without us really seeing it, without us appreciating it. Uh, just that's how the Spirit works. He works behind the scenes. And so I, I was overwhelmed at that this week uh, in, in prepping for this conversation. And uh, man, I just have a new appreciation uh, for the work of the Spirit, man. Just he, he is so involved uh, in, in doing the work of God. Um, and, and I think like that would probably be my initiative is to say that the Holy Spirit is Man, he is massively involved in the work of God. He is so active, and we need to just sometimes just pay attention to what Scripture says about the work of the Spirit and, and to give Him uh, rightful praise and worship as a result of His work um, that oftentimes goes goes unnoticed. Yeah, and I think my initiative, you know— it, it's going to hover around the same idea and the same category every time that I want to continue coming to these episodes and continue coming to the Word of God, wanting to learn afresh and anew about the Holy Spirit. You know, not that I thought different of of Him beforehand, right? Right. And not that right. I thought different of His work before we sat down to record this episode, but to constantly remind myself that the Spirit does more than just regenerate. The Spirit mm -hmm. does more than just give the new birth. He does more than sanctify the believer, um, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, th there's so many elements and components to His work that I often overlook. So I want to continue dissecting and diving into those elements and become more familiar with Him. Gosh, that's... That's such a good word, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take what you just said there and just give a quick preview. You said you want to become more familiar with him. We're on part three. We're in episode three of this pneumatology series. We've lined up eight. It may expand beyond that, but we've lined up eight episodes that we plan to to go through. You gonna read them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give them to you. Part four. The, the, this is the the, the plan. Is talk about the procession of the Holy Spirit. You're going to want to, that's going to be a nice theological discussion. You're going to be a part of that. We're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the blasphemy of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the modern abuse of the Holy Spirit. There, there are so many conversations that need to be had. And, uh, and we're only going to scratch the surface because when we get done, we're going to run back through the, the systematic and, and we'll be able to unhash and, and run through all kinds of 
other conversations, but man, these conversations about the Holy Spirit are going to be so edifying, and uh, man, I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, man. Um, if we can make it through an intro and make it through an episode without, <laughs> you know, bursts of laughter and losing our head, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. Well, if uh, if if you're up to this point if you've made it all the way to this point and you're not doing so already make sure you subscribe to our podcast make sure you uh give us an honest five-star review give us a nice rating on there uh you can also subscribe to our youtube channel and like us on facebook at reformed informants you can follow us on instagram and on twitter at our underscore informants and you can find links to all of our social media platforms any previous episodes we've done and you can even access some reformed informants gear you can find all of that on our website, and that's at www.themajestiesmen.com slash reformed informants. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics of discussion, feel free to email us at reformedinformants at gmail.com.